How do you ruin a marriage? We are going to talk about so many ways to ruin a marriage and the opposite on today's episode of the What Could Go Right podcast. Hi, I am Emily Orton. And I am Eric Orton. And we talk about personal growth, family connection, and raising adult kids. And today we're talking about how to ruin a marriage. Okay, so Emily, you and I did a a gathering with couples and we talked about double return parenting. And this is part of our double return parenting series, would you say? Mm -hmm. This is uh, close to the beginning of it. Um, If you want to catch the whole thing, go back and listen to the previous episode. But we asked this question to a group of couples in this very room that we're in right now. And um, why don't you... How do you ruin a marriage? The hands shot up. Everybody knew the answer. And there are so many good ones. Yeah. We we know how to ruin a marriage. So here's what they said. Uh, Contempt. Poor communication, being selfish, neglect, jealousy, control, lack of trust, neediness, backseat driving, that everyone had a story about that. Cheating, nobody had a story. Misaligned priorities, um, shutting down, silent treatment, stonewalling, and criticism. And this is actually a design technique um, or an ideation technique where... You, instead of saying what your goal is, you say the opposite. What would be a complete and utter failure and how do we get to that? And then once you've listed out all of the ways to fail, or in this case, how to ruin a marriage, you can then go back and say, all right, well, we want to do the opposite of those things. And that's how we are going to have a marriage that is flourishing. So that was the technique that we were doing in this session is first asking how to ruin a marriage. Do we, do we have their answers or do we want to just try to like go down this list and remember what the opposites yeah, are? Yeah, we don't have what they wrote. We didn't write it down. We just looked at every answer that was here's how to ruin it and then made something that was going to be the positive or the antonym, the opposite of that. So, for example, contempt. That would be kindness, right? Or con- yeah, consideration, consideration or generosity. Courtesy, generosity, and, and so many of those words were coming up here, like good communication, being open, being humble, being receptive, listening, um, looking out for the good of the other person, uh, being their fan, uh, having their back. That was one of the phrases I really loved that came up. It was like, when you are in a good marriage, a thriving marriage that's flourishing, you know your partner has your back. Do you you want to share your contempt story now or later? (laughs) Well, this is actually a story about kindness, I think. So The opposite of contempt. When we were newly married and we were having our first child, we were at the hospital actually, sitting outside of the hospital. I was in labor. I wasn't having active contractions in the moment, but... We were both a little nervous because we'd heard some horrible labor and delivery room stories about how couples were snapping at each other or, you know, the woman was yelling or, you know, things like that. And I didn't want to have that experience. We wanted to have like a really unified, you know, together teamwork kind of good feelings experience. And um, there were a lot of things that I didn't know going into that first uh, baby delivery But we sat in our car outside the hospital and said a little prayer that we would be able to treat each other kindly through this whole process. And I thought that we did 
pretty well. Um, but there was Our prayer was answered. <laughs> <laughs> there was one moment where I, they wouldn't allow me to eat. Once you check in to have a baby, they don't let you eat. And then uh, they still brought food. And so I was like, well, why don't you go ahead and eat it? Because you're not on any kind of restriction here. And I'll just, you know, enjoy this food. But for some reason, like my sense of smell was heightened. And as I did go into active labor, it was induced. So it's maybe worse than (laughs) anyway, you don't need the whole birth stories. The point is I was starting to feel a little bit annoyed either at the sound of Eric eating this muffin or the smell of this muffin and, and I, I could feel the tension behind it. I tried to use <laughs> kind words, but I was like, when is he going to finish that muffin, you know? And he looked over, his eyes got really big, and he just popped the whole thing in his mouth. And anyway, I, I feel like it all turned out just fine, and we didn't have any real, like, yelling at each other. And there, But it, it was just that we knew that, that contempt could come up in that situation, and we were like, we want to... We want to try to avoid that. I love that I can show love to you through eating muffins. I mean, thinking about it, I'm like, why didn't you just throw it in the garbage or something? You're like, oh, no, we're not wasting this muffin. That, that, it's no. going. It's like contrary to <laughs> Eric's nature to to waste food. So it wasn't gonna. he wasn't going to like stop No muffin should go muffin. uneaten. <laughs> that's my that's, mantra. That's true. That's true. So anyway, those that was one. Uh, of the things that you can do is figure out what is not working and how can you do the opposite from that. And contempt is one of the fastest ways to To ruin ruin a marriage, marriage. to break trust, to close down communication, to increase your selfishness. Like it is the gateway drug to so many of these other problems that can come up to ruin a marriage. So um, you were going to share one of yours. Okay, so my weakness is backseat driving. I my kids know and Emily knows that I am not a great passenger. <laughs> please, it, please share this with any of your loved ones who is not a great backseat passenger. So I, we just sort of have a standing rule: if we're going anywhere, I'll drive. Not because Emily is not a good driver, but because I'm a terrible passenger. And so we and were. That's love. Hey, and that's love. So we were driving across country. And we were making tracks. We were doing it fast. We had a bunch of our, we had all of our kids with us. And so five and we were trying, I think we were trying to get to a solar eclipse. Yeah. We were trying to get to Idaho in time for a solar eclipse. So we were moving fast and we were basically driving nonstop. And I had been pulling a long shift and finally I was getting a little bit loopy and we'd pulled into a Wendy's and decided to get Frosties. But right before we got to, we'd gotten something to eat across the street and then I was like, I can't drive we were anymore. We stopped for gas. And then we we're like, now we're going to go get Frosties. And our daughter, one of our daughters got in the driver's seat and she was now in charge of the vehicle. And I was going to go all the way to the back row of our minivan and sit in the corner in the back and just try and sleep. And so Allison was driving and she's a great driver and she's getting us across the intersection to the drive, you know, to the drive through. And all of a sudden, I had all these opinions, and I was like, "No, don't don't go this way. You're gonna, you need to go around this way and turn sharper so that you don't hit." And I was like, all of a sudden, from the back row, I was legitimately trying to drive the car from the back corner, and finally, our kids were just like 
stop it, Dad. <laughs> stop just trying. Saying, well, I think they started laughing because they were like, I you was... cannot. You just said, I don't want to make any more decisions. I'm just going to go back here and sleep and immediately popped up with all kinds of opinions. They were like laughing. They were like, Dad, I thought you weren't going to make any more decisions. <laughs> I, I'm lucky that I have kids that can have a sense of humor about my weaknesses. But I'll, I'll say this. So anyway, I the message landed with me and I shut my trap. When we got the Frosties and we obviously made it across the country just fine without me trying to drive the whole way. But, you know, imagine in a marriage if you're, you're the spouse that is always trying to tell your, your spouse how to do things. And poor Emily, she knows that she, she bears the brunt of this because I have a lot of opinions on how things should be done and all of them happen to be right <laughs> and and she just has to bear with my obstinance and so this is an area where um we it's a known issue <laughs> and so we we speak to it and we address it but you know something like this you know you get enough of these and you you, you let them grow big enough and you pile them on top of each other and yeah this is that's how you ruin a marriage and so we're slowly trying to reduce the our our behaviors in these areas I will say, I don't know if it was a known issue when we got married because no. we didn't have a car. We couldn't <laughs> afford a car. We got married. We were married for like a year before we, we got had a, a car. We and had a that's, bicycle. That's when it emerged. But I'm just teasing you. But it does remind me of a line from Much Ado about nothing where I think it's um, the sheriff is saying to the governor or something, he says like, I bestow all of my tediousness upon you. Yes. And we love to use that line every now and again to kind of tease each other when we have lots of opinions. Or <laughs> about yeah, it was Mike, I bestow it was, all of my tediousness upon you. It was the Michael, Michael Keaton's you. line. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So that's funny. Anyway, um, okay. I would be happy to share this um, story with you also about jealousy. And... I have had a struggle with jealousy for most of my life and certainly in my dating years it did me no favors and I thought I had made a lot of progress in it before we got married and I did but the stakes are also higher and there's more opportunities for jealousy in marriage and so that has been um, something that you have borne the brunt of. I bestowed all of my tediousness upon you um, because I would come forward with jealous questions or jealous fears or jealous comments. And um, that is a great way to break trust because at the end of the day, underneath of it is just this, this fear of abandonment. And, and I had, again, I feel like this was sort of a miracle for me, but it wasn't until 2018, or sorry, it was 2019. And we were in New Zealand and I had been doing pretty well, but something came up, something very small. And I felt jealous about it I felt like maybe you were putting somebody else in front of me and you were like I don't think that's what's happening and I was very upset and I was just praying about it and I was like how can this ever be resolved like I always have these feelings and and I, to me it felt like a hole in a bucket that could never be patched and so the bucket could never be filled and as I was praying and we'd been married over 20 years at this point I felt like I was looking at a story of my life and two of the pages were stuck together. And in my mind, these pages 
became unstuck. And I was able to see for the first time, truly, a piece of the story that I had been missing, which I had always been aware of um, competing distractions, you know, for your attention. And in this new version of the story, what I saw is that for every obstacle that might come up, you were always fighting to get around that obstacle or through that obstacle or over that obstacle to connect with me. And that's when I realized, oh, there's not a hole in this bucket. I didn't see the whole story. And um, I saw your, your true devotion and I felt so grateful to be relieved of that. It really did go away in a moment. I told Eric, I'm not jealous anymore, but you don't have to believe me. Like, just wait. And now it's been several years and it has stuck, right? Like it was a true transformation in that moment of understanding and recognizing a new story. So I know that um, jealousy was one of the thorns in our side in our marriage. And that was something that we were constantly working on. And that was a major transformation. So there is something that I want to say here, though, that we didn't talk about beforehand. And Eric had mentioned how when some little thing piles up or compounds, you get this this negative interest, right? Like this the bad kind of, it's like a relationship debt or something that, that builds up till it becomes overwhelming and you declare bankruptcy and get out. Um, the same thing can happen for good as little beautiful memories and kind words and those things like pile up and compound over time. That is, you know, your love bank that is all full. Um, the other metaphor I like to use is as a garden and so that we don't let these little things pile up. Because it's not that we never um, have contempt or selfishness or like backseat we driving. backseat like we have or a desire to control like all of those things emerge and and what we like to do is look at it like a garden and say let's address it right away there are some weeds cropping up and we need to weed it's time to weed this garden and that way n- nothing ever becomes too overwhelming Nothing ever overtakes us, and we're able to let those beautiful feelings and experiences grow that help our marriage flourish and identify and, and, and praise and compliment those things and, and focus on them and help them grow. But we also do tend to these weeds and try to get to them while they're small. We don't believe in this concept of, um, quote-unquote, keeping the peace of not saying anything, not confronting something, because the longer you wait, the harder it is. We try not to kick the can down the road. Have I used enough metaphors? Hopefully Lots one of, of these works. <laughs> Hopefully one of these works for you um, and will give you the courage to say, oh, that we need to weed our garden. This is totally normal that this is happening. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. And we are going to choose to weed this garden and put um, the water and other good resources into a flourishing marriage because the grass is always greenest where, where you, you water, water it. I'll say this. <laughs> Because we've been and going through our first year and change of home ownership, and we bought this house that was a real fixer upper, and we did there was a lot of back maintenance, I'll say, to get it to a place that we were happy with. We did a lot of heavy lifting early on, mm-hmm. both inside the house and and I'll say outside, just sort of like the outdoor spaces. Since you're talking about weeding the garden, yeah. And here's the good news about weeding the garden is that. When it happens regularly, 
it's really easy. When you let it go for a long stretch or a season or two, then it turns into a pain point and it requires heavy lifting. And then you've got to get out big tools and make big moves to make things happen. But honestly, every day we go for a walk, I come back and I kind of glance around the yard and I was like, oh, plunk, plunk, plunk. And in 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever, anything that started to grow that we don't want there, we're able to just pull it out and it's and I th- in one hand, I throw it in the bin and it's done. Mm-hmm. It gets easy when we do it regularly. When we, when we neglect it and let it go, that's when it becomes a real burden and a weight. I love that you mentioned that. It, it makes me think of for many years in our marriage, we used a tool called a couple council agenda. <laughs> and uh, you can call it whatever you want. Like, please feel free to submit your name suggestions. Uh, if Anyway, but the point the weekly is... weekly make-out meeting? Uh, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's anyway. important. Um, we, we had this uh, meeting that we would get together every week. It had a time limit, so it was never going to be for more than 30 minutes, and it could certainly be shorter than that because it doesn't take long if you're meeting every week. And in it, we would just address certain topics like um, how are each of our kids doing, how are we doing extended family? Is there anything we need to be aware of? And like a little bit of calendaring. And we would also always make sure that we talked about our romantic life and, and so that there was always a forum where ideas or questions or, you know, whatever it might be could, could be discussed. And it wasn't like, oh, we have to make us like, when am I going to bring this up that this isn't working for me or that this is working for me. And I just feel like it allowed us to just like have so much um, peace and confidence in all the areas of our life because we knew, oh, we're going to touch base on this essentially like weed the garden or tend the garden on a weekly basis. And we didn't have to like, for example, as far as our romantic life, we never were like waiting many months or years to kind of broach a subject, you know, like because it was too tender or too vulnerable. Um, it just got us in a really good habit of communicating about those things on a regular basis. And so, you know, you can just use that outline or adapt it to yourself. And I do recommend though, Um, If you're interested in having a regular meeting like this with your spouse or gathering up or chat or whatever you want to call it that doesn't make it feel too formal or intimidating is do have a time limit on it so you know what you're in for. Made all the difference. Do you mind if I double back and kind of recap some of the things we talked about? So if you're struggling in your marriage and you want it to be better, think about make a list of all the things that can ruin your marriage or are ruining your marriage. And then... As Emily mm-hmm. talked about this design technique, just flip it and say, okay, if those are the things that are ruining my marriage or could ruin my marriage, what's the opposite? And how do I, not your spouse, how do I start to do those things in my marriage? And it will make a big difference. And Emily and I really believe that whether your kids are married or they're going to be married, if you live and create the kind of marriage that you wish on your kids, you get the double return. You get to enjoy a happy, beautiful, harmonious marriage and you're modeling it for your kids and they're going to get the benefit of seeing how it can be done so that it makes it that much easier for them. And so if your kids are married and you 
just just live the marriage that you wish on your kids. Anything else? You'd yeah, say about I that? think that's a really good guideline. If you not to add additional pressure on you or be like, if I don't have a good marriage, my kids won't have a good marriage. But just say like they are going to learn more by example than they are going to be by you telling them things. And if you can show them, yeah, this is how we apologize in our house, and this is how we compliment, and this is how we have each other's back, then they're going to be like, oh, that's what a resilient relationship looks like. We're not going for a perfect, never have an argument, never disagree, never um, disappoint each other or hurt each other's feelings. That's not realistic. That's not true. But if you say like, we have our ups and downs and we focus on our ups and we keep our ups keep getting higher, then that is a great thing for your kids to aim for. So I love that as a guideline that I want to live, you know, live in the kind of marriage that I would wish on my kids. That's everything for me. If you had anything else to add, I'd love to hear it. Okay, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us on the What Could Go Right podcast. We hope lots of things will go right for you in your marriage. Hey there, it's Eric. How would you like to travel for a month with your entire family anywhere in the world without quitting your job? I'd love to show you how. That's how Emily and I and our five kids started. We would just do these one-month trips that eventually grew to living on a sailboat, including our daughter with special needs. Once we started to do this, we felt like we just found the cheat code for life, and we'd love to share it with you. So this is what we do. It's called a discovery call. You book a time for 20, 30 minutes. It's free. We're going to go over three questions, and when we do this, you're going to be able to launch your first of many, hopefully, family adventures does not require you to quit your job. All you got to do is go to theawesomefactory.nyc forward slash discovery, pick a time that works for you, and we'll get on and we'll get you going. Why do I do these for free? Because everyone deserves to know what's possible in their life, including you. So love to see you there. Thanks.